All right, so they read the English Thomas in the first seven verses of Philippians. It's, it's real flowery, and it's kind of poetic. Um, it's, it's emotive. Um, Paul is obviously sharing his deep emotion that he has for the church of Philippi. It's people that he know that he loves and have shown concern for him. And so he's praying for them. He's writing out this prayer. And it is just, it, it flows well. Um, and because of the prayer, because it flows well, there's a tendency for us just to run right past it. Right? So we've looked at the okay, but all we have to say. Right? Let's get into some, some arguments and some thoughts. And because we're, we're good Westerners, why do we like um, things to be presented to us in more of a studious fashion? But this morning, I don't want us to, to move on from this prayer too quick. Just because it feels familiar, just because it feels poetic. I want you to, for just a moment, <coughs> consider this question. What does Jesus think about you this morning? How does he feel not about the church at large, or Redeemer, or believers in you? Fill in the blank of How does he feel about you? What are his thoughts on that? Right? Because Jesus is alive, right? He's beaten sin, taken death, he's alive from heaven, he's right. Sin has given us the spirit. He thinks about us, he considers you. What's the thought? So I think for a lot of us, we might know to give some some more biblical sounding answers if we ask that question. If we're really thinking about okay, what came from my mind my heart. Um, maybe the word frustrated I think is stumbles. Maybe even disappointed. I can even almost picture a parent's phone. I Child, I have to see. They just, they just like have this affection 
what we're looking for in, in the future. Things free people from demonic oppression, from sin, strongholds. That He healed, that He promised, that He gave us access back to the Father, that we can boldly walk in and out as adopted sons and daughters of the King and pray to the Most High. Because Jesus has restored us to Him. He gave us the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. In the meantime, He satisfied the very wrath of God against sin and sinners for God. He's adopted us into the family and He satisfies our hunger and our thirst and our need for something Himself. Because there's nothing that will give us more enjoyment than that. He did not simply say, Hey people, I love you. He showed it. He demonstrated it in countless ways throughout Scripture. So I want us to just start there this morning. God loves you. He loves you enough to show it. He loves you enough to call you out of your sin so there's a better way. You trust me. Follow me. Look down at verse 9. So he says, and so it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. You know this last week, one of the phrases we have is that all righteousness look the work that God started in you. He's going to continue it. He's going to continue it to its I kind of tells us what God started, God's working on it still, and God will get you there. I just need to take part in that. And I think for some of us, what can happen is we go, okay, so God does the work, well, I'll just let go of my God. And that's, that's actually not what Scripture has called us to do. I guess God has started the work, He's begun the work, but there's never required on our part to walk in faithfulness. But in Ephesians 2, verse 10, it tells us, that after, by the grace of God, after we have been saved, that there are works for us to walk in. Not that they save us or they rescue us, but we walk in and that you were created for them, and it shows our progress. In Mark 4, 26 and 27, it talks about a farmer who, who plants the seed, right? who lays out the crop, he works it, and then he goes to that seed tonight. He puts forth his effort, and then he goes to sleep and rest, knowing that the growth of that Ultimately, God has If it comes up, it was beyond him. But he played his role, did his part, and then the drop came. The truth what's going on is this is God has called us, He's made us His, and He's called us to walk in that. And there's going to be some fruit that is produced, some faithfulness that's produced, some righteousness that's produced, due to your effort and the favor of the hand of God. And listen, can we understand exactly the ins and outs of how all that happens and, and are we trying to figure out percentages? No. But effort is required. This again. So it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. He's saying, I want your love to grow. I want it to increase. There's a process here that doesn't just, you don't just get it all and it's done. There's a process happening. But then he's going to say, it's more than an emotion. I just want to get into that human relationship simply saying, I love you, or I feel love for you, isn't enough if there's no action involved to the fact of what it is we're claiming. So he said, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more, listen, with knowledge and discernment. So he says, It's not just an emotion, but there is action involved. There is knowledge and discernment. 
is way that we can study it and look at it and go, you're not living in Phil's life. And it's not 62 AD. Yet there's something for us here. Right? Because it's driven by scripture. And we can look at the implications of what we're being called to. The church of Philippi didn't just say, Paul, oh, we love you. And demonstrated how? They sent a to check on you. How else they sent the money to prison to take care of you? Who even tell the way you're looking to put these for? Listen, I'm so grateful for the gift. Um, I'm so grateful for the company. But I, I didn't need that. I'm just glad you did it. It just shows me that you're demonstrating the love that you've already experienced. And that you're, that you're walking in the faith that God has given. Jesus tells the disciples in John 13, 35, how would I get it? How's the world going to recognize that you belong to me? Your love for one another. Right? So it is not enough that we can just verbally say, I love you. To a spouse, or to a church member, or to the world. But that love is not backed up with some demonstration of the knowledge and the character and the action of God. It is driven by scripture. It's why he's put us in the church. It's why he's put us in the community. Because here's the thing for me, if you can look across the room and see someone that at some point you haven't agreed with everything they said. Or maybe you have this agreement personally. And you sit here in the same room, right? And listen, I know there may be still some tension. Right? There may still be some frustration. But we are fighting for unity, for oneness, because why? It demonstrates that Jesus is present. That he is sufficient. And that we don't have to become living to all things exactly the same way, agree on everything, on every nuance of, of everything to be one. Jesus is sufficient for that. And we're willing to fight through awkwardness and difficulty and struggle to be unified because Jesus is of utmost importance. That we're going to love each other. Because it is far easier um, to not do that. To be at a distance. To not live out the light of others. I heard a pastor say one time, you can be impressive. You can be known, but you can't be right? And, and so you look at someone who's taught or someone um, in, in a leadership position, and the further you are from them, the more impressive they might look. And the closer you get to them, you're like, oh, they're not that different. And amen. Right? You, you see them snatch their arms. You see them need to go follow their eyes where they go. You see them not be able to get to go. You see them, right? You see them fail and then repent. Walk in faithfulness and love and anything is right. So we want to be a people who live out the one another scriptures that are loving one another and showing action and discernment together. Why? Why are we wanting to do this? Verse 10. So that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless to the day of Christ. So if we want to do this, to be pure, which is inwardly. Right, that our motives are pure, the direction, the reason why we do things is pure. It's so that we're blameless and outwardly, right? That we're lacking offense. Now listen, in Philippians 3, Paul says, it's not that I'm already obtained this, that I'm striving for it, I'm fighting for it. Listen, Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God on your behalf. He has met every demand and expectation of the law. And he has in 
Worthy of your worship. 